You're listening to a fourth-hand production. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Now, are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't know. Planes that they're Welcome, everybody, to Strange Uncles. Um, this actually is Strangers on the Ranch. This is our bonus edition that we're doing weekly. Um, and we have the privilege of having on uh, Thomas Winterden. Thomas, welcome to Strange Uncles. Thanks. I feel at home. I think uh, Strange Uncles is what all my nieces and nephews call me, so I feel right at home. <laughs> well, yeah, the name's unique. I will I will tell you that. Um I, I kind of I started this thing and then I brought Josh and John into it and uh, so far you know it's it's nothing else that stands out you know so but uh, just for to catch you up basically number one thank you so much for your time to have you on the show you know we've been watching Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch um, and again you know we've weekly reviewed every episode kind of broke it down and talked about it uh, again for our listeners you know we we just we've been to that place it it's awe inspiring to us. Um, so for those of you who may or may not know, Tom actually is the ranch superintendent out there at Skinwalker. Um, and like I said, I just, your time, very, very appreciative. Well, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, by all means. Um, you know, and I guess we don't really want to waste a lot of your time. We want to kind of poke your brain a little bit and uh, get some background, get some research, uh, and, and just kind of figure out how, I guess really how we got to this point, you know, this point in the Skinwalker Ranch, uh, History Channel being brought on board, you being brought on board, how you feel about it. We've got questions kind of around the board and, and we're just going to kind of roundhouse, but I'll, I'll say, I'll kick it off. And I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious as, are you a Utah um, native? Have you been here? You've grown up here or no? Yeah. So I was actually born in Roosevelt, you know, 15 minutes from the ranch and uh, spent pretty much my entire life here with the exception of a couple of years outside of the state that I've, you know, I've lived uh, up in New England for a few years and uh, back in Tennessee for a year. But other than that, uh, I've been here in the Uinta Basin my whole life. Yeah. And I don't think plans to go anywhere by how it sounds. Uh, yeah. There's <laughs> things on the horizon, but we'll, we'll see. <clears throat> ah. Cool, cool. I like it. Well, the reason I asked that question really is because of the ranch itself and, and its lore. Um, you know, I'm actually a, a Montana native and then I lived in Washington and I came here in Utah a couple of years ago, man, all these fine guys. And I personally have never heard of the Skinwalker Ranch. So that's one of the things I ask, you know, whether being that you grew up here, I'm assuming that, that you kind of heard the gossip and heard kind of the, the history of that area. Yeah. So the ranch has actually been called several different things through its history. And, uh, about the time that Bigelow came into the scene, uh, the, time when there seemed to be the most activity being reported on the ranch was right at the time I was in high school. So uh, the rumor mill was running rampant. Una Basin is a small, close-knit rural area. And so obviously it takes five minutes for the, the area to know the latest rumors. And uh, so, yeah, I heard, uh, I heard all the strange stories and tales. And, and I have to admit, you know, I was one of the high school kids that drove my date down here on a dark night and jumped the gate and tried to see how far we could get into the ranch when Bigelow owned it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the ranch is very famous in the Una Basin and has been for some time. 
Yeah, I know it has mythos to it uh, for sure. Um, so for as far as you being a superintendent, how long have you done that? So it's actually, I think it's four years this April. Uh, I, I actually came on almost right after Brandon uh, purchased the ranch. Oh, perfect. Okay, I was going to wonder. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to roundhouse. Who, uh, Josh, you have any questions on your side? Um, so did Brandon hire you on directly? Um, like what's your relationship with him? Did you know him before, before the ranch or? I knew Brandon's name simply because if you live in Utah and you've driven the I-15 corridor, his name's plastered on every sign from Spanish Fork all the way up to Ogden. So I definitely seen the name Brandon Fugle. I didn't have a clue who he was. Um, the way that I came associated with the ranch is that my wife and I actually owned a, a small motel here in Roosevelt. And when Brandon purchased the ranch, he brought on Jim Morse, who's the man, the ranch manager. And uh, him and Jim go way back. Jim's a developer and um, actually was Brandon's first client. So Jim was developing a uh, class A office space and, uh, Brandon was just uh, this 18-year-old kid, if I, if I remember the story right, and uh, Jim allowed him to be the broker on his uh, building. And so he, wow. he gave Brandon his start into, and, and of course, everybody that knows Brandon knows he's one of the, the largest commercial real estate brokers in the United States, um, been very successful. So Jim came rolling out to the basin to, to get an idea of what Brandon had just purchased. And uh, with the charge to kind of get his arms wrapped around it and figure out what's going on and, and to reach out to the local community and, uh, and start to get a feel for the basin and feel for the ranch. And that first Sunday that Jim came out, he actually stopped at my motel and I happened to be there at the time. So I, uh, I got him a room and, and uh, when I checked him out the next day, we got visiting and I'm also a licensed general contractor here in the state of Utah. Oh. And so as we got visiting and anybody, uh, Jim Morris is one of those guys that he'll walk into a restaurant before he leaves. He knows everybody's uh, life histories and, and I'm not exaggerating. Like <laughs> That's he, he's, my dad for sure. <laughs> yeah. He knows everybody's kids' names and their birth dates and everything. So uh, we get visiting and, and Jim found out I was a contractor and he said, Hey, you know, we just got this ranch. Maybe you've heard of it. Skinwalker ranch. And Oh yeah, of course I've heard of Skinwalker ranch. And, uh, he said, you know, being a contractor, maybe you could come out and do a property inspection for us and give us an idea of, of you know, the shape the facilities are in. And so that was kind of my foot in. I came here on the ranch and uh, did a property inspection for them. Um, it was in a it was in a state of disrepair. And there was quite a few things that needed attention. And so uh, Jim just asked me if I would take care of those for him. And in the process of doing that, uh, Brandon, uh, Jim took me out to Salt Lake, introduced me to Brandon within the first two or three weeks. And uh, Brandon and I hit it off. We're kindred spirits in a lot of ways. And uh, and so Brandon just asked me if I would stay on and take care of it for him. And I've been here ever since. Yeah, that's, it, cool. that's awesome. And first of all, that we're going to try to get this video out too for at least our Patreons. But um, it's really badass because it looks like you're sitting in the control room or the center where you guys actually do your meetings. I see the yes. map behind you. I am in the command center. I usually do these things from my office, uh, which is in my wife's meditation studio. But tonight she's holding a meditation with a bunch of women and I didn't want to 
Didn't want to be yeah, there. That could get so, problematic, I guess. Huh? He got kicked out. So I uh, escaped over here where I could find a quiet place to talk. That's funny. That's awesome. Well, um, who's next up with the questions? Um, so uh, before this whole uh, Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch show, have you had any prior uh, paranormal or strange experiences besides your head injury? Um, so I saw a UFO when I was a kid, but I didn't even know it was a UFO at the time I saw it. Um, uh, it, it just so happened that one night it was late. I was a kid. I don't know. I was probably 11 or 12 and, um, looked out my window and saw what I thought was like a big half moon. And, uh, it was, it was gorgeous. And at the time Roosevelt had an oil refinery. And so my bedroom window overlooked this oil refinery and this moon was just kind of out there on the horizon above the refinery. And uh, I finished up what I was doing. I looked back out the window to just take another look at it and it was gone. I didn't think anything of it. I just thought it dropped below the horizon. Mm. And uh, the next morning I happened to mention my mom, you know, man, you should have saw the moon last night. It was incredible. And my mom said, I don't think it was a moon last night. Oh yeah, I saw it. So we looked at the calendar and uh, it actually was a night where there was no moon. So what I saw, I don't know. It definitely wasn't the moon. Um, it wasn't scary. It wasn't anything terrifying. I just, I didn't even know that I was looking at something un, you know, unidentified. But uh, as far as paranormal, I have to say, not really. I, I ran into a couple strange incidents when I lived up in New England. Uh, some houses that were apparently haunted, but uh, nothing that I experienced personally. And uh, to be honest, when I came on the ranch, I'd never watched any of the Skinwalker movies or read any of the books. I knew the tales that had been told around town, but that was it. And I didn't believe in it. I, did, I thought that I really didn't believe in any of the paranormal stuff. So mm. I'd say no, my, my exposure to it was minimal. And then, uh, you know, just to clarify, my, my injury actually took place back in 2017. And my, my severe injury, I've had some small reoccurrences. You guys saw probably the one on the show. Yep. Um, yeah. I've had some, I've had some small, uh, reoccurrences where it will start and the, and what will happen is that the goose egg will start to form on the back of my head. It, I can, I can feel the pressure building and, Weird. and it starts to pull away again. It's, it's pretty painful, but, uh, but then it stops and it goes away. So I haven't, uh, but the main injury that complete, it completely separated my entire head scalp. To where on the second day I could grab my hair and basically walk my my oh face my around God. my skull. Jesus. That Jesus. one happened back in March of 2017. So do do they still not know what that was? Yeah. Or so Dr. Sagala on the show was one of the individuals I, I had um, because of my association with the ranch. Um, they they brought in several individuals from outside. Uh, specialist, a forensic neurologist, and um, Dr. Sagala, and another another surgeon that's familiar with the neurology, and and they they've done a thorough investigation. They have some ideas as to what it is. Um, I've I've been asked to not publicly speak about a lot of it. Um, Fair enough. But I, I would just say at this point, like uh, while the investigation is still ongoing and it's been very thorough. Uh, and they have some good ideas as to what took place. You know, it's, nobody's still certain what exactly happened. 
That's wild, man. Like, uh, sorry, I don't mean to pry or anything. No, no. Yeah, you yeah. guys just know. Yeah, wow. You guys are feel free to ask me anything. If there's anything? something I can't go into, I'll just say, hey, I, I can't go there. But please feel comfortable to ask me anything. I, at this point, it's not prying. Oh, that's uh, opening a Pandora's box because we will ask you anything. It might not even be related to Skinwalker Ranch whatsoever. So be prepared. So um, I got a quick follow-up question. Then Larry, I'll throw it to your side. Uh, you know, you mentioned the UFOs you saw in Roosevelt. And and I'm, I'm sure you, you've known this or heard about this, but, you know, we're talking about Skinwalker Ranch, but that whole basin has a huge history of, well, you know, the book, uh, UFOs on Display uh, in Utah that was written in 76, um, you know, with a high school teacher that was at the local Roosevelt school and all that was compiled. I mean, they've there's been encounters of UFOs, you know, over Bottle Hollow and Skinwalker. And, I mean, that just in general is, is kind of a hot spot. What's your take on that, if if you don't mind me asking? Um, yeah, so the basin is a hot spot, and it's you know since becoming associated with the ranch, it's been mind blowing to me the amount of individuals in the area that will pull me aside privately, and they'll tell me, "Hey, I don't want this out in the open, you know, I don't want people thinking I'm crazy, but here's what took place," and you start. I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I'd say that that, that number is probably up in the hundreds. And what I've come to see, and, and these are these are some of the most well-respected business people in the area, down to earth. And obviously, they haven't shared this out publicly, so they're not searching for fame or try to book, you know, to write a book or anything. Um, but it paints a picture of activity that they. Matter of fact, I just had a, an individual last week tell me of a pretty incredible story they had of actually, they were out searching for some lost cows. It was a rancher and uh, they happened to walk out into a meadow and there was a craft that was actually landed out in the middle of the meadow what? and scared them, to, scared them to death and they, they scattered out of there. I just, uh, I literally just talked to an individual at the store, I was at Dollar Tree and uh, talked to an individual and, you know, and, and this is all quiet behind the scenes. They're like, oh, we've lost a number of cattle that, or they had cattle mutilated, or it seems like everybody has a story. So, you know, I don't know why, all, you know, UFOs is something that I, I do believe in. I believed in it when I came on the ranch. Obviously I've seen something that was unidentified. Um, and for me, for me, uh, and and because of some associations I have with certain family members and friends that are, you know, in military intelligence or or have had their run-ins with the with the government, um, I just assign that to experimental aircraft. You know, a drone would have been a UFO ten years ago. We didn't know right. that that exists. So for me, UFOs are easy to. I just say, oh, that's an experimental aircraft. Although I, I would have to say that since being on the ranch, I've had to modify those views a little bit because um, if they're experimental aircraft and we got some, like they're doing some pretty cool stuff right now because uh, the, the stuff we see defies what we know exists as far as technology. So anyway, I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know what to assign it to, to be honest. Yeah, and absolutely agree. I mean, look at, you know, the Navy and the TikTok instant and everything that's happening. These are crazy times when you think about that. And, you know, if they truly are that ahead of the curve, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, that's just the things that we're seeing, let alone, you know, what else could be on the agenda. So, yeah, that that's awesome. Thanks for clarifying on that, Tom. I appreciate it. 
Um, Larry, do you got a question on your side? Sure. Um, so how did you guys uh, get involved with the History Channel? Did they approach you or did uh, Brandon uh, you know, go to them? How did that all come about? Good question. So <clears throat> the first time I met Brandon, uh, I had quite a lengthy meeting with him and, and Jim Morris there in his office. And he explained his reasons for purchasing the ranch. And he's always been fascinated by this space. But the tale, I mean, anybody that has read the books or the movies, um, which I haven't, but I've heard a lot about them, the, the tales are pretty extraordinary. Um, and so my, my take of Brandon the first time I met him was he wasn't sure what to think about it. Obviously, he, he has a lot of respect for Bigelow. And when you have somebody as credible as Bigelow buying it and, and do, leading an investigation, then that leads, lends more credibility to it. But um, the charge was for the first year, Brandon said, look, uh, I want to just see if there really is anything going on. And so my, my orders, the lead scientist, lead, uh, he doesn't like lead scientist, um, our principal investigator, Eric Bard, our charge was minimal impact, like just observe. And so really we went into a state, the first 12 to, I would even say 16 months that Brandon had it, uh, we, did, we, we tried to disturb things as little as possible. And we came in and we put up some cheap cameras uh, I tell people Brandon's got money cause he knows cause he's wise with it. And so <laughs> while he has the resources to come in and deck the place out to the hill, he didn't want to spend a lot of money on something if this was a bunch of, uh, phony hyped up tells. So we started out just a cheap system, see if we picked anything up and we went into a period of observational science where we just observed. And, uh, after that period of time, uh, we didn't have to wait very long before we started to see some pretty remarkable things, uh, which then Brandon justified spending more money. You know, it, our our expenditures have always been led by the data. So the money follows the data. And if the data says, oh, uh, there's something here, then he'll start to incrementally uh, increase the budget for that specific item. So we started to ramp up and we started to see some pretty incredible things. Uh, I was having a lot of crazy experiences, um, not just myself, but other individuals, lots of individuals that were coming on the ranch. Can you, can you tell us of any of those experiences? Oh yeah. I mean, <sighs> where to start? Uh, we've, I, I've personally heard voices and by voice, the, the, the best one was when I was plowing snow. And uh, I was, I was push, using my skid steer to push the snow with. There's one specific spot on the ranch now that I've heard voices twice. And, and both times it was a command for me to not go any further and to turn around. And so huh. the first time I heard it, I was in my vehicle looking for a trespasser or what I thought was a trespasser. Um, we had some elderly people that were living in the ranch house taking care of it that were here when we took over from Bigelow. And they called me one night, uh, just terrified. And somebody, I'd just been there a couple hours earlier, and uh, they had a little basketball sitting in the flower planter by the front door. And somebody had been sitting there, well, somebody or something <laughs> had been sitting there 
throwing this basketball against the front of their house. And uh, automatically, I'm just assuming we got some trespassers on there that are trying to mess around with us. Yeah. So I came out. Uh, security was down on the south side of the ranch, I believe, at the time. I grabbed the thermographic camera because it's the easiest to pick up. You know, this is about midnight. And, uh, and the night vision and the thermographic cameras weren't picking up anything. And so I thought, well, they probably started, they probably ran over when they saw my headlights coming. So I got in my vehicle and started across the ranch and I get to the same place that I'm talking about with the skid steer when I'm plowing snow six months later. And I'm in my vehicle, it's quiet. um, And I just got the spotlight one hand and my shotgun in the other and I'm looking, scanning and and I hear that voice. Hmm. And uh, it was dark enough. I was just like, "Ah, stupid, I'm just turning around. So I shot a few shots in the air, yelled some profanity out there and turned around and, uh, as one would, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you, he's yelling up in the rocks as if somebody's up there and threatening <laughs> him. And then, uh, I came back. Well, I'm plowing. The thing is, is the voice was audible. It was just like you guys talking to me. Um, weird. And I don't no, know where it came from. Not, it, not internal at all. Well, see, the thing is, is I, at that point I couldn't, it was quiet enough that somebody could have been talking and I could have heard them. Mm-hmm. the interesting thing it wasn't yelling though right like it was just regular normal audible voice a like- male voice and uh so but when i'm plowing snow it was about 1 2 o'clock in the morning and my machine makes a lot of noise the plow rumbling on the gravel makes a lot of noise and i had my earbuds in listening to my audiobook and i get over to that exact same spot and i hear that voice hmm. and uh so that one I know had to have been internal because there was no way I, somebody could have been standing right outside of my cab and I wouldn't have been able to hear him yell. So yeah, uh, it makes me think both of them were internal, internal. Um, we've had times when uh, I was riding across with Jim Morse, the manager, and every bulb in his car blew at the same time. Oh my God. And we took it into the dealership. Uh, none of the fuses were blown. But like all the halogen bulbs, the the filaments had all been blown out. No, no wow. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, so we've had a number of those experiences. Uh, our our electronic equipment is always getting messed with. Um, cameras turning themselves on and off at the most opportune times. At times where they shut off, and then uh, I get a call from from Eric or a scientist and asked me to come out and check it out. And so I'll come out to see what's going on with the cameras, make sure that they're not being tampered with. And literally as I will pull in, the camera will turn itself back on. Um, Jesus Christ. That, that's happened so uh, many times. I can't even tell you. That's um, so frustrating. Yeah. Batteries going live. Come on with before my battery be at 96%. Go over to the homestead and within two minutes it's dead. Um, that quick. Oh yeah. See, and that, that's the thing. And so, and that's because we're watching the show and obviously, you know, there's a, you know, what philosophy you have, a theory you have over haunts or ghosts or paranormal that, you know, they take the energy from the area and that, you know, this is what they do. So something there, I mean, we're assuming is causing this to happen. Do you feel like it's a lot more electronic disturbance or is it more natural or is it like, if you have to compare electronic drainage versus the voices you hear? You know, where one is kind of on this plane, but the other one's on this plane. Is there, is there any kind of rhyme or reason to any of that or, or not really? 
Well, I'm going to just tell you, my brain's wired like I need the science behind it. And I hate the term paranormal because in my mind, I'm thinking we used to think lightning was uh, Zeus up there throwing lightning bolts around because we didn't understand it. So we just make something up, call it, you know. uh, And and so I always go to the scientific. And, you know, one of the things is, is it could be both. If we're experiencing strong electromagnetic uh, pulses through here or, or disturbances, you know, we ourselves are just a big circuit board. Um, when you're looking at me, it's just an electrical signal traveling from your eyes that your brain is then interpreting and, and telling you what it is. So in my mind, if what we're experiencing is that type of force, it's very possible that those could be interfering with the electrical circuits in our brain to where we're thinking like, you know, our brain's telling us we really are seeing that or we really are hearing that, but it's no more than the, you know, some type of electrical interference. Um, for me, it's not far-fetched to think that if somebody could dial in on the frequency that your brain is operating on, uh, then it's no different than having a remote control of the TV where you're able to send signals to where you really are hearing it, but it's not coming through your ears. It's simply that signal intercepting if, if that makes sense, like that's how my brain. And if that's the case, then it would explain why so many people see so many things out here um, because it, their, their brains are being messed with, with this electromagnetic or whatever it is. Right. So that's kind of what I assign it to, but who knows that, that actually, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And that's another way to look at it. You know, when we use the word paranormal, who knows that paranormal isn't just a science we haven't discovered yet, you know, and that's kind of the, the, exactly. the basket that is in. So, and then Josh, I'll throw it to you real quick, but I have a quick question. Um, and, and I don't know again, if this is relevant or not, but when you talk about, uh, new people coming to the ranch, like Travis, for example, um, one whole theme of the show is that he is just, he's absolutely, he's stunned to know that these things are happening so quick. Like there's always something and you look at the timestamps and all these events that are appearing and they talk about jokers and uh, you know, when somebody's new to the ranch, things, things happen because the ranch seems to enjoy a new visitor. Do you ever tell, do you ever see if there's one type of personality of a person that maybe experiences encounters versus another type, whether they're closed minded or whether they, I mean, just like a, I guess a personality type or fitting where this one is seeing everything, but this one over here, they don't have any, any encounters, any effect, nothing. Absolutely. Um, you know, and <clears throat> matter of fact, when Travis, when we first met with Travis, before he even stepped foot on the ranch, uh, all he really knew about the ranch is what he'd read online and what he'd looked up. And, uh, I mean, he flat out just told us that he thought we were batshit crazy (laughs) and, uh, and he gave me a hard time for, because I, I use the term that the ranch behaves and he's like, how can the ranch behave? It's just a piece of land. And yet, you know, we, we have pretty strong evidence to suggest that when new people come on the ranch we see a spike in the number of anomalies that take place in that time period. Now, uh, to me, that's a behavior. And uh, as far as personalities, um, the, we, we keep the ranch locked down simply because we don't know what dangers are here. We've had people get seriously injured 
And when you don't know what exactly you're dealing with, you have to err on the side of caution and be very, very careful. So sure. we've been very, we've, we've been very limited in the amount of people and, and who we let on this ranch. So our sample size is not great. However, that being said, um, we, I, even though the sample size is not great, I would say that the ratio or the percentage of individuals that have been injured versus those that have been on the ranch is, is significant. And when you start looking at, the people that have been injured the worst and myself included, uh, we, the, we're the ones that came in maybe the most, uh, skeptical is not the right word. Cavalier, you know, there's mm -hmm. nothing here that's going to hurt me. Gotcha. You know, this is all a bunch of, this is all a bunch of bullshit. I don't believe in this. That's one of my uh, favorite parts about the show is watching Travis kind of evolve into being like, okay, Something weird actually is happening here. Yeah, well, and it didn't take very long at all. Uh, to So, you know, his attitude quickly changed. You saw in first episode, you know, that really was the first time Travis was on the ranch. Uh, people ask us, is this show scripted? No, it's, it's, it's not scripted. Um, we didn't give him any fake material to work with. You know, the editors obviously uh, take some liberties in, in how they edit things but we didn't give them any fake material to work with to begin with. So if it's on there, it's real. And uh, I was never told what to say or what to do, except, you know, I will say the, the only exception is that is like when we're closing out a scene and, and it's like, well, how do we, how do we close this out? You know, they would give us some pointers like, well, you know, let's go back to the command center. So we, that, that's the closest that we ever got to being told what to say. Right. So Travis yeah, isn't here very long and he, he automatically starts seeing that there's some things that need to be looked into further. And, and then you take it one step further and it doesn't take long before. Uh, I think the highlight of the season is he wasn't here very long when the, uh, we were just finished filming. He threw his arms up in the air and he's like, I'm batshit crazy. <laughs> and uh, it, we all just kind of, you know, a little bit of validation for us, but, um, you know, Travis is one that came in on with that attitude that, well, there's nothing here. You guys are crazy. And you, you, well, you saw in this last episode, you know, he, he, Travis suffered some injuries while he was here. Right. And, uh, right off the bat, he got, he got pretty nauseated up there at that sinkhole that he climbed in. Um, I've experienced that personally. It's, it's uh, so Travis, Travis, I'm just gonna say, I think Travis got humbled really quick and mm. uh, he's, he's a full on believer now that something's going on here. That's awesome. That's crazy. Um, so while we're on the subject of the team, uh, so did you know a lot of the guys before you all got together? Um, is there more of the team that's like behind the scenes that we're, that, isn't like featured in the show or are there more people working there that it looks like, or do you guys keep it pretty small? Um, we've, so, um, I've known Jim from the very beginning. He was my introduction to the ranch. A lot of, so like, uh, Bryant or dragon him and him and Brandon go back almost 30 years. And, oh. uh, hmm. 
they they served an LDS mission together. So mm. they go way back. They've been close friends ever since. Jim and Brandon have been close friends for since Brandon was 18 years old. Um, the caretakers that are here, Candace and Tom, they were Brandon knew them in high school. Um, uh, Eric Bard's been associated with Brandon on previous projects. They go back. I'm not sure the like how far back, but I think they go back 10 or 12 years themselves. I'm kind of the new kid on the block here. Um, but it pretty much the whole team is who you see on, on film. And, and I know that, you know, uh, there's a few, like my wife, you know, uh, she's involved a little bit behind the scenes. Um, but it's, it's small and, and we call it the ranch family. We're all very close friends, very tight. Um, we've been working on this together since, you know, for really for the last three, four years. And, uh, so, uh, Travis obviously came in for the show his first time of being on the ranch was when we started filming. And, um, then, uh, Dr. Sagala came in with my injury, but Dr. Sagala, I believe had been, uh, involved with, with the Bigelow crew and was familiar with the Bigelow era. And that's one of the reasons he came in. So he's not a newcomer to the ranch. Okay. I mean, and I guess that reminds me, I didn't really answer your question about how this came on history um, channel. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I, I go off on tangent. got to rope me and pull me back you in. Right in. <laughs> um, so after, after we started this observational period, we determined that there were strange things going on. Then the, then the discussion turned to what do we do with this stuff? And I remember having discussions with the team was like, do we keep this to ourselves and keep it confidential like Bigelow did? I mean, we've all signed very pretty solid non-disclosures or do we release these things out to the public? Do we share what we're seeing? And Brandon is a very collaborative open book. He's very transparent. And he just, he's like, I've been weighing the pros and cons. I, I really don't see what the pros are for us keeping this all confidential. I think that if there's something going on, if we could get more minds looking at it, if we can let people know what's going on, maybe we can get further down the road quicker than if we're just, you know, it's just a couple of us looking at this. So Brandon really is, you know, the more eyes you can get on it, the more brains you can get working on a problem, the faster you can get to the bottom of it. And during this period where we're trying to decide what to do, I had a guy named TJ Allard reach out to me. And at the time, Brandon's identity was quiet. Even Jim Morse, Jim Morse keeps a very low profile. I was the only public name associated with the ranch at that period of time. I had, I had gone through and got the public uh, right away vacated. There, the whole time Bigelow had the ranch, the road that went through the middle of the ranch was a public easement. So legally, technically, really? he should have been able to. Yeah. Huh. Wow. I mean, if I had known that as a kid, I'd have just, <laughs> it's illegal to lock a public right-of-way in the state of Utah. If I had known that, I'd have brought a pair of bolt color cutters and we would have gone for a drive because there's nothing legally he could have done to us. If we would have known that, we would have done the same damn thing. I had no, no kidding. clue. God. It was all smoke and mirrors. So when Brandon got it, the county sent a letter and they're like, hey, that's a public easement. You get the locks off. You can have a gate on it, but you can't lock it. Hmm. And so there's instant panic like, oh, no. You know, 
And so Brand, I told Brandon, uh, you know, I'm very politically involved. And uh, I told Brandon I would see what I could do. And so I went through the process, got it vacated, which includes public hearings. And so my name was in the newspapers associated with oh. that. So TJ Allard found that and he reached out to me and he's like, hey, I got this idea for this television show. Would you guys ever be interested? And I said, no, we're not. We're not interested. And uh, hmm. I said, but you never know down the road. Like, you're welcome to keep checking back with me. And we, I, I was get probably fielding one or two requests a month from different people that wanted to do a TV show on it. And uh, TJ was the one person, he faithfully called me every single month. Hey, how's it going? Have you guys changed your mind? And we'd start to develop a relationship. And over the course of, uh, I would guess, probably like a year, uh, I finally, when we we're having this discussion with Brandon, like, what should we do? Um, then the subject came up, well, what if this guy, this TV producer keeps contacting us, like maybe you should have a conversation with him and hear him out. And so I handed him off to Jim and Jim vetted him and then handed him off to Brandon. And that's really where it started was with TJ Allard and uh, Joe gotcha. Patterson and letter 10. And then they took us into history. So mm. uh, we did not go seeking this. This came and sought us out. I'll be dead. I got a quick follow-up question then, uh, Alex, I'll throw it on your side. Are you surprised of the, I guess how the show is being taken from the from the public, or is this do you really even scale that at all? Uh, I'm still trying to get my arms around exactly what the public thinks. Um, our ratings are our ratings are really good. I mean, really good. Um, so the network's happy with what we're doing, and we get a lot of great feedback from people. A lot of uh, good good feedback from people. Um, my problem is that I went to Twitter very first, like after the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you screwed listen, up. <laughs> nothing staged. Everything was real. And so in my mind, like my naive little, you know, country boy mind, I'm like, Oh, everybody's going to think this is as cool as I do. And then you go to Twitter, which is, uh, I've learned Twitter's not the place to go for no, cheerleaders. No. Like, no. uh, no, I'm like, I didn't sleep that first night at like the night that the first air episode aired, I was so excited. I jumped on Twitter to see what everybody was saying. I was on there for like 30 minutes, an hour. And I'm like, crap, I'm going to bed. Like, <laughs> our show's going to be canceled. Everybody hates <laughs> us. Nobody believes this is real. Everything's it's scripted. And, uh, so I didn't sleep that night, but, uh, since then, you know, I've, I've, I've learned Twitter's not, uh, not the best barometer for how things are going. No, no, no Twitter's Twitter's, no. Twitter's a very angry, angry platform. I, I don't, and maybe that's why I didn't find you on Twitter. Cause I, I looked there first and I couldn't locate you. So I ended up finding you, I think through Facebook or something, which I'm not, if it wasn't for the podcast, I'll be honest with you. Screw social media in general. I hate it. I think we all hate it. It's just, it's poison half the time. But some of the times, you know, there's some good things for it. And when you really want to put your face out there and advertise, you know, that's a good thing. But um, yeah, we're not, we're not fans really of Twitter either on our side. So anyway. Yeah. Social media. That's been the biggest adjustment for this is I, yeah. I've never been one that likes to post what I'm eating for dinner. You know, I, I'm a private person. I don't really care for people to know when I'm on vacation or what I'm doing. So this whole social media thing, being encouraged to get out, promote the show and 
and try to be a little more public figure about it. That, that's been, that's probably been the hardest thing for me. It's tough. Days. It's tough. And it's gotta be, you know, I could give two shits what your baby is doing or who walked first or what your Sunday stroll looks like. And people who post that just whatever. Yeah. Teach your own. I don't do it. But anyway, more power to them. More power it's to you. Whatever. So, um, Alex, what do you got, man? So with all your time on the ranch and I guess in the basin in general growing up there, do you have a general theory or opinion on what's going on or happening there? That's a loaded uh, question, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, 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 honest, the honest answer is no, I don't. Um, sure. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, we're picking up enough on the scientific instrumentation with the RF and um, the um, with the airwaves that I, I tend to believe that there's some type of energy, uh, here that is unique from other places. I, I, the honest answer is no, I don't. I've seen, I've seen too wide a range of things. And that's, that's probably the hardest thing about the ranch is there's a lot of hot spots around the world that are known for different types of uh, we'll does it say paranormal activity or right. UFOs? Um, I think what makes Skinwalker Ranch unique is that we seem to cover the entire gamut, and uh, like every type of paranormal activity you can imagine is is happening here. So, what gets hard is when you find something, you're like, oh, that could account for this, this, and this, but then you're like, but that doesn't explain this, this, and this, and so. I don't know if it's a mix. Obviously, we're right in the middle of the reservation. And so when you start bringing in the cultural side of that and, uh, you know, maybe there's the really I. So I am I'm huge into frequency and energy. So person, my personal beliefs, not those of the scientists of the ranch. My wife and I are very we've learned a lot about energy and more of the quantum side. I do believe that there is something to curses and to these cultural traditions of the tribes, I think. They know more than they let on publicly about those things. And so maybe a mixture of the location of the ranch, the, the culture, that's the history of the ranch with the tribes. Um, I, I think maybe it's just a perfect storm of everything. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a good way to put it. The reason I asked that is because just the two years that we've been up there, we've camped at Pelican Lake the, the past couple of years, just the, the way that it makes me personally feel up there is unlike anything that I've ever felt um, anywhere else that I've been. And so, and, and even last year, it almost feel, it felt like it pointed me out and knew me personally and no one else got that vibe for themselves. So like, I don't know. I feel like I'm very sensitive up there and I've never felt that way in my life. Yeah, it, it is emotionally draining when you, and it's weird because the further away you get after like a three or four day camping trip, it, as strange as it sounds, the better you feel, like you start getting a little jump in your step again. And you know, when you're camping, I love camping, you're supposed to be feel great when you're outdoors. That's not the case in that area. There's something that just kind of, I don't know, seeps on you and it's a, it's a weird, and Alex, yeah, he had more things affecting him than any of us did. Um, and then you talk about, you know, other things and, and again, not about our story, but you know, sounds that you hear and voices you hear and just, it really kind of messes with your mind up there. You know, it's, it's a, it's a crazy thing. So 
Yeah. Well, it, it leads to, um, I brought this up a couple of times last season and I hope moving forward, um, we're limited by resources really. And by resources or your bandwidth, right? Mm -hmm. You, you got to focus on something and follow it to the end. And, and, uh, you know, season one of our shows really like triage of, of taking the blood pressure and the temperature, as you guys have seen, we've covered a lot of different things and yet it, you know, on the show, it doesn't appear like we're following up on anything. So there's a lot of loose ends out there dangling. And so, you know, as we're looking at what things do we follow up on, what, what rabbit holes are we going to go down and, and explore further? One of the things that I hope we really look at is I love hearing about people who come here from outside of the area. I mean, I've, I've met a lot of people just this past week. It's been kind of incredible how many people are traveling. And just in the past week, I've met people from South Carolina and Minnesota and Louisiana and Texas and Arkansas and California and Idaho that have all made this pilgrimage down here. And uh, obviously they can't go any further than the, the turnaround down here at the entrance. But when we live here every day, we, you know, I wonder how much we just get accustomed to it versus somebody like you guys that come from out of area. You're not used to that type of feeling. And so, you know, it's like people that get sick over a long period of time, they don't even recognize they don't feel good because they don't know what, you know, it's not, there's no contrast. Sure. And so I, it would be interesting to, I would love to be able to start looking closer at the medical, the overall medical health of the individuals in the area. And, and, but that's hard because you, you, it's hard to do a study on that stuff, but you bring up an interesting point as far as people outside of the area coming and feeling that and, and having a contrast to, to compare it to. Sure. Yeah. Anyways, well, I mean, on that note, I know we already kind of talked about your uh, head injury, but is there is there anything about that uh, that stands out that you'd like to talk about, or were you during the first injury, uh, the first time, was there ever a point where you considered, um, you know, kind of stopping, giving up because of it, or anything like that? Oh yeah. Um... You know, the thing about my injury is it's been mentioned a lot on the television program. Um, but but it would be similar to saying, oh, yeah, you know, Johnny got in a car wreck. And you know that he got in a wreck. But the story of how the wreck happened, you know, the physical therapy that took place afterwards, the, the actual injuries, all of the things that took place that made that accident traumatic uh, usually aren't thought about. And with my injury... There's really, there was the physical side of it. And then there, there was the psychological things that were taking place at the same time, which, um, you know, someday maybe I'll talk about those publicly. They're so far out there that I felt they made me feel crazy. And I, I had a hard time believing them myself and it happened to me. Like, I know I didn't lie to myself. I know, I know what happened. And if I have a hard time coming to grips in reality with what took place, there's, I, I wouldn't expect anybody else to, and I'm just not ready for the ridicule and the, the backlash that would come if I were to share that story. But there's the, the psychological 
part that took place at the same time as the physical injuries. And then there, there's the investigation that's taken place since over the last couple of years. And the investigation itself has probably been just as traumatic and more revealing about anything than the injury itself. And so uh, it's so twilight zone out there. I, I'm still trying to come to grips with it myself, but there's a lot to my injury that makes it um, you know, and there's a reason why they keep referencing it. Cause I have shared, I have shared the story with, I mean, the ranch team knows about it. I have shared it with the producers. Um, I, I, you know, at some point, maybe it'll come out in the public, but um, it, there was a lot more than just my head swelling out. There was a lot more to it. And, and there's a reason why there's been a, a, a several years investigation on it. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. No, don't mean to pry, but no, nope. yeah. you guys aren't prying. It's fine. It's all fair game. Yep. Yep. Um, well, with that being said too, on, on that, and we got a few more questions. We'll kind of wrap up with, if you don't mind it again, I appreciate your time doing it. Um, aside from the injury, I mean, obviously something like this, not just a show, but just, you know, you have a unique job, Tom. I mean, this is something that yeah. not everybody has, you know, there's other places in the world that, you know, is, uh, a hotspot or sits on ley lines or whatever have you, but the, the skinwalker is pretty, you know, pretty amazing in itself. Um, when you talk about you personally and your family atmosphere, has it, does it creep into that at all? And, and I know, and, and we're going to make sure too, I want to make sure we wrap up with, um, your wife's work and some of the things that she did. Great app, by the way, I downloaded it and I've been kind of playing around with it a little bit, kind of neat how it's, how it's set up. Um, How's that affected your family? How's that affected your personal life? Or, or really, is it has it made a big dent in that? No, it's um, uh, my life today is completely different than it was four years ago when I came onto the ranch. And uh, matter of fact, uh, I, I have I have a couple kids, and uh, they're getting older now. My youngest is eleven, but uh, one of my kids uh, came came to me and had a heart to heart this past week and just said, you know, I'm, I'm getting tired of you being on the ranch, dad. Um, oh, wow. We, and, 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 you know, we've had so many things happen at our house um, that he's like, is it really worth it? Like, you really feel like this is worth it for what it's doing. And uh, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a little sobering and to, look at that and uh you know my explanation is is it's been a big sacrifice for my family we've all been greatly affected by it um obviously their dads uh, i've had i've had the rug pulled out from under me i've discovered there's a whole world i didn't know about um that there's more around us than what we realize and so that obviously affects the rest of the family and the kids they see their dad you know trying to grapple with what's reality and and uh you know, I, I i'm i'm a businessman that's what i've been a general contractor i've had some hotels had a film production company um you know i was president of the rotary club <laughs> chairman of our political party uh, i was just a normal guy that was involved in the community and very passionate about economic development and those type of things this whole paranormal thing, if you told me four years ago, I'd be where I'm at today, I'd have probably punched you in the face. <laughs> um, and so my kids, my family has been affected and uh, they've had to deal with a lot. We've, 
uh, a lot of strange things have taken place at my house that have rattled all of us. And so the kids, the, the kids are a little bit on edge a lot of the time. Wow. Well, do you think it's a, do you think it's a piggyback thing or a hitchhike thing that people talk about where it's just kind of, it attracts energy and it kind of piggybacks off that same energy or is there really? Well, so this is, this is the tough part for me because my personal beliefs are, is I, I, I completely believe that we manifest the world we live in and that we have a lot more control over our world than what we realize agreed um, yeah i'm a huge huge law of attraction type of guy where the things you focus on are what you're going to draw into your life so when you start looking at you know none of this was in my vision four years ago when i come on the ranch it you know is there an uptick because that's what i've seen and now you know my reticular activating system is is noticing it more and i'm paying attention closer and I'm drawing that into my life or is it associated because it really is a hitchhiker. Um, I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, exactly what it is. And, and I have to say there's enough things that have taken place. I, there has to be an effect of, because there's people that have come on the ranch that don't even believe in that stuff that go home and then have things start happening to them at their house. And so when you take and connect all of the dots, I think the data suggests that somehow uh, some type of quantum entanglement, I don't know, when you come here, you're getting entangled in that and it's following you home and, and it can cause uh, things to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's very sobering. I, I think you use that word once or twice on the show. Um, yeah, I, I can't even imagine, you know, you talk about the, the emotional impact of it. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, does anybody else have any questions? I got one quick one for the show, but yeah, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, uh, this is kind of on a lighter note. This is something I've been just wondering in general. Like, is it weird having the camera crew around? Do you, like, get used to it or, like? It's pain in the ass. <laughs> Touche, sir. <laughs> like... <laughs> It's not scripted, but at the same time, like when we're going to go do something as simple as drive across the ranch, you're talking like an hour to get the camera set up. You know, they got to put the GoPros inside the vehicle and then uh, and then obviously they want they want to drive across the ranch and they're filming that. And then and then they want the drone shot, but you can't have the camera guys in front of the vehicle in the drone shot. Right. So you got to back up and then <laughs> drive it again so that the drone can get the clear shot without seeing the camera guy. And, and so it's like something that would take us 10 minutes to do is like a three or four hour activity. Like you have and, to do uh, three or four times to get all the different angles. Yeah. And, and then, you know, that's, that's something I want to talk about just a little <laughs> bit real quick is um, I, I watched the comments online and on Twitter on that. And they're like, you see the way they're using those RF detectors. They're not even holding them inside the can. Well, we were using them inside the can, but the camera couldn't see what we were doing. So, you know, we pulled it out of the camera so we could get a shot so that the public could get the idea of what's going yeah. on. And then the other thing it doesn't show is like we start getting spikes on the meters. We have to make sure that that's not just our microphone because our microphones mm -hmm. all have RF frequency to right. them. The cameras are broadcasting like 
we're emitting a ton of RF out there just with our equipment. So when we get spikes, it's like, all right, we've got to shut everything down, turn everything off so we can eliminate, make sure that it's not the cameras, it's not the microphones, and that what we're seeing is actually anomalous and not just us chasing our shadows wondering you know oh we're seeing an rs well hell yeah we're seeing an rs spike we're broadcasting 20 microphones out there so um so there's all of that that goes and obviously when the cameras are down guess what you're not seeing on camera you're not seeing us take the cameras down and look and see and spend the time to scientifically see is what we're seeing real or is this just us creating this so yeah because you still used to be boring television yeah (laughs) it's it's tough to do a science show with a film crew. I'm just going to say that. Like it's, it's tough. Yeah. This is a little bit more, this is a little bit blown up than Bill and I, the science guy. That's for sure. So I, I could yeah. imagine how freaking frustrating a bunch of assholes with cameras out there poking in your face all the time. Um, and you know what? They were good guys. Like we love our production crew was like the a team. I mean, Prometheus, they really brought the best of the best out here. So That's I'm cool. not ragging on the film. They were the best at what they did and they were cool guys. We got along good. I mean, it, it was, it was a fantastic time, but uh, that being said, it's still, they're still interfering with what we're trying to do. <laughs> well, I yeah, mean, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing with people. They, they think, oh my God, that's when they talk about script. They just don't, they don't understand. They don't see things like it is. I don't care if you're on TV, you have to have TV elements about that period, period. You can't, otherwise, what are you filming with one GoPro? It, it just, you know, nobody gets that. I just don't understand that at all. So, yeah. Well, if we were just to do pure science too, uh, our ratings would be like, you know, the 10 scientists out there on television that actually wanted to watch that kind right. of stuff. So, well, we and us, to, we got to appeal to try to appeal as, to as many people as we can. Yeah, exactly. Um, I got a quick question out of curiosity, and this is something that I, I don't know if it's your idea of, but, but you know, the show does a really good job of setting things up. I will be honest with you. There's been times on the show that I went, Oh, so that chamber, that was in that house, that thing that was in the basement that you guys drilled through. I, because I contract to, I actually brought, I'm a facilities engineer for a, a corporation out here in Utah. Um, a lot of those old houses were built with a chimney with a footing and, and that was kind of was an empty space just because of how it was designed. What, what was that? Was that an actual of how it was portrayed where it was a sealed off room or is it just part of the fo- – and it's been driving me freaking crazy ever since I watched that episode. That's why I wanted to get your opinion on it. So let's just start by saying I, I said it at the very beginning. I still maintain it today. I still think it started out to be a water system. Um, mm. Now, that being said, uh, that's the logical side of me and being general con- – the way that I even found the room was – um, you've got two 18 inch by 18 inch pillars down there poured concrete mm-hmm. that are not supporting anything. I don't know why there's no fire. Like there's no chimney. Uh, there is a fireplace, but it's in the front part of the house. Oh, so it was not like torn out or something that was originally. Okay. That was my one. No. Um, the, the strange thing about it is that if it was a system, there's a, there's one pipe that comes in in the back corner. looks like it's about an inch, inch and a quarter diameter pipe that comes in on the top. Other than that, there's no other outlet on it. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, when we got in there, like this thing was clean. No spider webs, no, I mean, it was pretty pristine. And there's a water cistern over, and, and well, matter of fact, that's what Travis got injured on was that, you know, when he scooted the lid off of that, that's just a cistern over there right. at Homestead 2. Right. Um, it's not a septic tank. It's a, it's a water cistern. Um, and the, there's no watermarks inside this thing. It's not, there's no indication of any stains that you would expect to see from, uh, watermarks or any of that stuff. And the other interesting thing is, is it's located in the middle of the house. So there's no part of this room that protrudes to the exterior side of the house. And when I'm down there, I'm seeing this concrete wall and my first thought was, is that they went in and dug the basement afterwards, which is a very common thing in these old houses. Right. They'll go down and literally hand dig it, and then they'll pour the walls up to keep the footers from sliding, sloughing down in. Mm-hmm. That's what I originally thought, because see, the, the, the top of the cement, the, fo- the, the floor joists for the, for the house above sit about that much above the cement. So it's not a bearing wall. There's no point of it that that they use to brace the floor joists with, which I found peculiar. So mm. I'm thinking, well, for just a retaining wall, that's some pretty thick, hefty cement. It's not supporting anything. Um, that part still mystifies me. I have no idea why they put that kind of concrete down there. And then you've got this room, and if it was a cistern, I'd, I'd love to know how the hell they were expecting to get water out of it. Maybe that's why they never filled it up. They, you know, we, we overlook that. Um, hmm. but, uh, so that is strange. The, the whole placement of it right in the middle of the house underneath is peculiar. Um, then the debris pile that was in it, what made that remarkable? I mean, you, you have the bones that were in there, you know, rodent, rodent bones, I'd assume, but I've been in a lot of old homes, a lot of barns and stuff where you'll see a mouse that died in it. And that the skeleton's intact, where it laid over, killed over, and died. Right. Right. This pile, there was no, there was no intact bones just laying there, like some rodent and somehow climbed in that pipe and died. There was a mass of bones, and it looked like they'd been put in the blender because when we put them under the microscope, they were all chopped up and hashed up. Hmm. Which I could see that if one rodent ate another rodent. And it was in its stomach and it died. But then where's the skeleton? Yeah. You know, exactly. so that was, that was interesting. Like why that debris pile was the way it was. That's what made it interesting mm. and out of the ordinary. Mm. That's, that's that amazing. So yeah. I just, that's been driving me crazy. Yeah. I had a weird theory that maybe somebody tried to do some sort of like magical working or ritual and then sealed the room, but that's pretty out there. Well, I, I mean, at this point, that theory is probably as plausible as anybody else's because who knows? I, I don't I mean, it, it got in there somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was um, rumor had it. Well, not rumor, but when they built Fort Duchesne and they're out there as an army that uh, they de- did have um, a lot of Freemasons in the cavalry and in the actual group, a lot of black Freemasons, actually. So. Some mm-hmm. of those, some of some of those hieroglyphs things on the on the rock. I mean, they, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of weird history. You go back to the Indians. You go back to some of the cave paintings. You go back to the curses you're talking about. I mean, this is all just a. It's a perfect storm of just weirdness that I, 
it blows our minds for sure. But uh, I got one last question there. If anybody wants to add on, and we'll let you go again. Looking at the time, you know, much appreciate your time, I'm Tom. Um, and this is good. You're not going to answer this, but I'm going to try because if I don't try, I'm going to feel bad about myself. Teasers, anything, anything you can give us, something that kind of, you know, I are you on for second season? Has it already been signed? Is there anything that we need to pay attention to that wraps everything up? Anything that – give us anything, anything, and we'll be happy. Okay. Um, the ratings have been phenomenal. So uh, I'll just say uh, the, the networks are always looking for the shows that are bringing the ratings, and ours are bringing the ratings. So uh, – I, I, I'm not, I can't speak much more to that, but uh, if you do the math there and say, Gal, you know, uh, our shows, when you look at the numbers on the other shows that are on History Channel, uh, we're doing very, very, very well. So it would stand to reason that they'd want to continue to have a show that does very, very, very well. Um, <laughs> That's and it. come from season two. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the thing is, is we were doing science before they came. This was a serious science investigation before they came. And regardless or not, whether we get season two or three or whatever, the science will continue. Um, and uh, so whether the show goes on or not, it's not going to have any bearing on whether we do science. The show is a way for us to be able to share with the public the strange things that are happening. Mm. And so... Uh, I, I hope that it continues for a long time. Uh, our hope is that we can turn this into many, many episodes because we've just scratched the surface. Um, I can tell you just in the last week, um, I've had some pretty incredible experiences out here on the ranch. It's just as active as it's ever been. Wow. And, uh, and so these are things that hopefully we can uh, show moving forward. And, uh, we're, you know, we're being asked to carefully, which we do anyways, this is part of the science, but carefully document the things that are happening. And, uh, and so it'll be, it'll be fun moving forward. And, uh, as far as the rest of the season, yeah, I, I'm excited. Um, I think you're going to see some, uh, how do I put this? Um, maybe some more theories arise and some some cool things that may start to uh expound a little bit on what we've found so far this season and uh just we keep poking that hornet's nest <laughs> although yeah. I, i'll tell you i'm a little concerned i you saw the uh you saw the trailer the tease teaser leading in after last night or i guess it was tuesday yeah, um, the, the digging or the coring, I should say. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a little concerned about the way I'm going to be portrayed in the next couple episodes. <laughs> I may I may be starting to get some hate mail for uh, <laughs> some of the things that are coming. So we'll see. I can't wait. I can't wait. Does anybody have any wrap ups or anything for him, real quick? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good too. I'm good. Just thanks right. for coming on, Tom. Oh. Yeah, we really appreciate the time. No, it's, uh, I, to be honest, I've gotten a lot of requests over the last couple of weeks and, uh, I, I don't know why you guys, you guys stood out. My wife and I actually listened to one of your podcasts just to get a feel for who you were and, Uh-oh. and, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> Uh-oh. 
we, we thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, and so I, uh, I said, well, this is, this is one I'll see if I can get permission for. So. That's cool. That is cool. I don't know what episode it was or what the content was, but hopefully we didn't. Um, evidently, we, we didn't fail that one. Like we fail everything else in life. So that's nice. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, I hope that sometime we can see you in person. We literally are in the backyard and we, uh, after this whole COVID bullshit is wherever it's going to go. Um, we already, we got the gear, we got the equipment. We already planned on the trip up there. Um, phenomenal to have you on. And then you also wanted to, uh, you wanted to actually promote something, uh, on your side and, and more than happy. The platform's yours, Tom. Yeah. Well, I, I will be completely honest. Uh, I didn't come onto the show looking for fame and fortune, but since it's coming, uh, I, I've said, I will, shamelessly plug my company every chance I can uh, try to get that. That's what, if I could get anything out of this experience, it's just, I want to bring exposure to what it is my wife is doing. And, um, and that is that my wife has incredible gift where she can hear frequency. You know, she can hmm. hear beyond what the typical person does and she can tap in and hear the resonant frequency of an object or a person. Um, we all have our own unique resonant frequency that we resonate at and uh, she can hear that and then she can compose it and she can compose the sound. And so um, one of the things that she's done is she, uh, through a process she came, we were introduced to essential oils, which I thought were snake oils to begin with, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and she started, she started to hear the, these frequencies of these oils. And so she actually composed them into sounds and created a meditation process with this. And mm. what's, what's come from it is actually pretty phenomenal. Uh, her, her program's now worldwide. Uh, we've got testimonials from all over the world, all different countries. But she's taken like an essential oil, just take lemon, for example. She composed the frequency of lemon. And so when the user goes to meditate, they're, they're putting a drop of the lemon oil on, and then they're smelling it. And she, she actually composed, she didn't compose the sound of the oil. She composed the sound of the, the plant that it came from. Um, <clears throat> so you're, what, what's happening is it's actually aligning all your senses. You're hearing the frequency. You're seeing a picture of the plant. You're smelling it. And what's ending up happening is we've, we've had the chance to, to go and do these meditations with some pretty... Uh, well-known individuals that are in the meditation space that do this regularly. And, and most of these individuals tell us that it takes them about 45 minutes to 60 minutes to get into a theta state of meditation where they're seeing, seeing things because of the alignment that takes place with this process, people are getting into a theta state of meditation in 45 to 60 seconds. Wow. And so uh, we're, we're having people that are having life changing uh, like overwhelming 85, 90% of the people that are using it are having life-changing meditations where they're seeing incredible things that are changing their lives. And so we, d we put it into an app that's available on the Apple app store and the Google play store. And uh, it it's available there to download, but I always plug in people to, uh, to try the meditation process and, uh, and see how it works for them. Cause we're, we're having incredible results with it. 
Yeah, and I was just going to say, so I, I downloaded myself, actually, after I talked to you on the phone for the first time, because it was very interesting. And if you can still bear with us and stand us, um, we'd love to have you on our regular show and discuss that, because I'm fascinated by frequencies of Earth and what's around us every day and things that you ley lines and, and her, it just, it just, I've always been fascinated with it. And I think this falls right on the thing. So hopefully we can arrange to kind of have you on for that. Um, but it is an app called uh, resonance meditation, R E S O N A N C E meditation. I found it on Google play nice and easy. And I've been playing around with a little bit. I really like it. I mean, it's really neat. She's got a great voice, how she represents everything, the steps to go through, I've just got to find time to to sit down and work through these exercises completely, um, but but I'm impressed. So you know I, I appreciate that, Tom. It's really really cool. So great. Well, thanks for letting me plug it. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you everybody, Tom. Thanks again for coming on. Um, hopefully we can have you on again, and we're looking forward to uh, just looking forward to the weirdness. We'll see where the high strangeness goes. Sounds good. Awesome. Yeah. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. Sadly, it's the end. Thank you for listening to a fourth-hand production.